Well, hey friends, it's great to have you join us today. My name is Clay Monkus, and I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And today we are wrapping up what has really been kind of a short little series that we've called Sweet Little Lies. We started two weeks ago and we talked about the lie that we said is just a little more will make me happy, right? Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And last week we talked about the lie that all of us believe from time to time I'll just do that later. Like, I can always do it later. And if you missed out on any of those messages, you can catch up, watch them on demand by going to our website. Just go to nextlevelchurch.org, click the On Demand uh, tab, and then you'll be able to see all the stuff that's there. Well, today, we're going to wrap up with one very important topic. And as we get started, uh, let me set it up for you this way. For years of my life, I kind of lived with a confused view of God and, and confused him with Santa Claus. I had this view that my grandma had given me, this whole idea of watch out because God is watching you. Maybe you kind of grew up that way too. And this was always also the view uh, that my wife had, and it led to a very unhealthy fear of God, that, that somehow if I don't work hard to please God, then he's going to be out to get me, which leads to really just a very stressed out view of a relationship. And that is how I lived a lot of my walk with Jesus. I would call it spiritually stressed out. And I saw this uh, a few weeks back I, as I was walking past the park in my neighborhood, and there were some kids, and they were throwing rocks at, at the fence. And a woman, it could have been their grandma, I guess, she, she looked at these kids and she said, hey, 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 don't you know that God is watching you? Now, if you're really honest, for some of you, that's the way you view God. Like God is some sort of cosmic cop who's patrolling the streets of the universe, waiting for someone to screw up, and then boom, he says, gotcha. And then all of the punishment comes, and then your life falls apart. Right? We, we've all been there, and maybe some of us have fallen into that lie. So the lie that I want to talk about today is this. The better I perform, the more God loves me. The better I perform, the more God loves me. And let me tell you why this is important. There's a really smart guy by the name of A.W. Tozer who said this one time. Let me put the quote here. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. What comes into your mind when you think about God, according to Tozer, is the most important thing about you. Now, you may not agree with that statement, but let's just uh, take a second to think about this. What comes to mind when you think about God, right? When you think about God, what is it that you think about? Do you think about a God who, who you live in fear of? When you think of God, like, I'm just afraid. Do you think uh, about a God who looks at you and he's just disappointed in you? When you think about uh, how God views you, right? However he views you, it has massive implications to the way that you live out your spirituality. So what I want to talk about uh, is this slide, this idea that the better you perform, the more God loves you. I think there's so many people who have bought into that lie, more people than probably we could ever count. And to me, that's kind of sad. I, I have to be real careful, though, as we talk about what I'm going to be talking about today because this lie is so ingrained in us that it can feel really disruptive when we begin to address it, especially if you are what I would call a religious person. And what I mean by that is there, there's kind of two approaches to God. One is a religious approach, and the other is a relationship approach. And, and you've probably been raised with one of those two views. So let me define religion for you, because everybody defines religion in lots of different ways. 
I want you to know, as I bring up religion today, this is what I'm talking about. When I talk about religion in the context of what we're going to talk about today, I'm talking about the act of negotiating with God to try to get his help in exchange for your good behavior. Negotiating with God in exchange for your good behavior so that you can get what you need. Right? So when we approach God with religion, we're approaching from a standpoint of someone who needs God's help, which is all of us, right? We all need God's help. But religion says in order to get God's help, we have to make an exchange for our good behavior. And as long as we're behaving, doing the right things, saying the right things, looking the right way, God will give us a place to belong, a place to be accepted, a place to be loved. But if you take the good behavior part out... If you take out the, the jumping through the hoops part, then, well, now you have no leverage when it comes to God. Now, my belief is this. You may believe different than me. But my belief is that religion has always complicated what God made very simple. And this may surprise you. Jesus had a whole lot to say about the religious institution that was in his day. And very little of it was ever positive. Matthew chapter 23, let me show you something Jesus said about uh, two problems with religion. Look what he says in verse 4. He's talking about the religious people. So they, the religious people, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. The very first thing that Jesus said is religion doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It has unbearable demands. It's a series of hoops that nobody can ever make it through. They're never going to be good enough. And Jesus says, you know, right off the bat, religion, that's this way of doing things, it just doesn't work. Martin Luther, all right, way back in history, he talked about religion being a ladder. You view each rung of the ladder kind of as your good works, right? Through your self-righteousness, you're trying to climb your way to God is what Luther said. So religion is all about how I can build an approach to God. The reality, though, through Christianity, it's not about an approach to God. It's about the fact that God approaches us through his son Jesus. So Jesus is just saying, hey, that whole religious approach, it just doesn't work. It's an unbearable series of demands, he says. In verse 5, he goes on, he says, Everything they do, these religious people, everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels. And again, he's saying, look, it's all show. Number one, he says religion doesn't work. Number two, he says this type of religion, it's all about the show. It's about doing certain things. Why? To impress certain people, not God, impress people. You ever felt that way in a church before? I'm sure you have. He says, look, it's just a show. And religion is kind of like this spiritual Botox. Think about that way, right? We freeze our faces in these little Christian expressions of impenetrable peace and overflowing joy. All the while inside, we're dying. And all the while, we're just struggling and struggling. And so, someone can walk in a church, and it looks like everyone's got it together. They sit in the same seat every week, and they listen to the same messages, and they listen to the same songs, and when they walk out, it looks like they've got it all together. I mean, they've got their life together. Everything is working. But if you were to look inside their life, maybe, just maybe, you'd see they're dying. 
Inside, maybe they have some kind of addiction that's just beating them down. Maybe inside they've got some kind of heartache that's just crushing them. And yet, they just keep playing the game. That's what Jesus is pointing out. He's not trying to be hard on us, not at all. He's just trying to say it's all about, in their world, it's all about this external thing, right? It's all pretend and it doesn't work. And in Matthew chapter 5, another place, Jesus is talking a great deal about religion. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, okay? It's his longest sermon that we have recorded. And in it, there's one little section where he's addressing a group of very religious, moralistic people that were offended by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, I just want to point out a couple of things that Jesus says here. So as he's talking and he's pointing to these religious people, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Let me explain this. Now, he knew that they thought he was trying to abolish or do away with the law or the prophets, right? Because it kind of seemed that way. But if you just watch Jesus, you, could have come, like, uh, you couldn't have come to that conclusion. But because Jesus, he, he did things that defied the law all the time. So maybe you would think that it's true. He healed people on the Sabbath day. Like uh, You might think that he was against the law. He ignored many of the different Pharisee, different traditions. He befriended sinners, which was definitely contrary to the law. And by the time of Jesus, uh, like when he's there, the law that he's referring to had turned into 600 different laws and regulations. It became just this oral law, and they just kept adding more and adding more and more things as they had to, right? And now, why would they think that? Well, religion kind of becomes this addictive thing where you think if you just keep adding rules and you keep adding regulations, well, eventually there will be some sort of payoff. You think eventually you're going to have freedom. Eventually you're going to be right with God. And the problem is the bar keeps getting higher and higher and higher, just like what Luther said. It doesn't matter how much you do, you know, you always fall short. And Luther was saying, look, it's a ladder. You keep climbing the ladder, hand over hand, hand over hand. you got to keep going and going and going, and you never get there. There's no payoff to this. And what happens over time, religion teaches you that you'll never be enough. And sadly, there are a majority of people sitting in Christian churches right now whose lives are screaming testimonies that religion just doesn't work. This idea that I can negotiate with God using my good behavior to get him to act in my life. This idea of religion that I can work to earn God's approval. It just doesn't work. So, it should be no wonder that the culture around us is basically saying, no thank you to our religion. Because they look at how we live. And they see that it doesn't provide what we claim it provides. So, in this religious approach that many of us have grown up in, the idea of salvation being a gift, right? It's just a gift. We struggle with that because we're like, I got to do something, right? Like, don't I have to do something? And it's that question, right, or lie that religion latches onto. And what religion will do is just whisper in your ear, yeah, you have to do something. You got to do a little bit more. You got to earn your grace. Try harder. Try harder. Yet, you never feel like it's enough. So Jesus says, look, I've come to fulfill all of those religious rules for you. And that's huge. Look, I haven't come to abolish. I'm not taking them away. But I will fulfill all of them for you. I'm going to fulfill every bit of that. You don't have to. 
And what you have to understand is Jesus, through his death, through his resurrection, which we talk about a lot, he fulfills that law. Jesus, in that moment, does for us what we could never do with all of the rules and all these regulations. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the Old Testament law. And so now the old covenant is gone and there is a new covenant. Well, he goes on, Matthew 5, verse 20. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a little confusing, right? Like, what's he saying here? Is he saying you have to be better than the Pharisees, better than all these religious people? No, no, no. He's making a point here. He's saying that these, the, the religious behavior is just this external masquerade. Right? He's saying that their religion was actual dead ritual. It was not a living relationship. It didn't make them humble. It made them proud. It didn't give them liberty. It put them in bondage. Religion always, always uh, you know, makes us appear to be godly at the expense of actually being godly. You spend all this time hiding behind those risks, right? So you'll never get there anyway. Verse 21, he goes on and he says, You've heard it said, to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Okay, so we've read all that, and you're, you're like, well, doesn't it seem like Jesus is raising the bar even higher? It's like, whoa, what is Jesus doing here? This, this is crazy, but this is huge. He's making a fundamental change without altering God's standard at all. He's dealing with the attitudes of the heart. Jesus is saying, hey, some of you think if you just follow this rule, right, or if you follow that rule, this rule and that rule, like if you just follow the rules, you're good. That somehow by doing that, you're going to earn God's love or grace. But here's what Jesus is saying. Look, God is not looking at the external. He's looking at this, uh, this, this charade that you're putting on. He's looking at what's going on in your heart. That's what matters. He's saying you're not defined by what you do, but rather by what Jesus has done for you. You're defined by your heart. This is one of the problems that I have with the church today. I feel like we play this kind of bait and switch game in the church where we spend a lot of time telling people, hey, Christianity is the only world religion where you don't have to earn your way to heaven. We say that all the time. Or you tell people, hey, Christianity is the only world religion where someone, right, that someone being Jesus, comes and takes your place, pays your price, so you can go to heaven. It's a gift. It's not something you earn. That's what we say to people. And you've probably been in church where that happened. Then, what I feel like we do, once the people get inside the church, the game changes. What was started as this story about acceptance and grace, it transforms very quickly to a story about performance and conformity. And some of you guys have experienced that. All of a sudden, what was this gift now becomes about what you do and how you behave and how you perform, right? That's a lot of people's experiences. Now listen, as a follower of Jesus, you should have a drive in your life to do. You, you should, right? I, I, I know I do. I want my life to count for something great. I want to do things. For some of you, this motivation to do comes from your desire to have a place to belong and to be loved. And what you have to understand as a Christian is you can do and you should, but it shouldn't be a, a, an expectation 
of earning God's favor, right? This is just what it means to follow Jesus because you don't do in order to belong and to be loved. You don't. You are loved and you belong, period. And because of that, it should motivate you to do, right? Do you understand? It's about your motivation. And I just want to challenge you guys uh, kind of in this area because here's what I think happens in the church. I think you guys believe that God loves you. I think that if we were to sit down and we had a cup of coffee and I said, hey, do you think God loves you? You'd be like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think he does. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I think he loves me. You kind of feel like God doesn't have a choice, though, right? I mean, God is love, so I, I guess he has to love me. And what you think deep down inside is while he loves you, he's also very disappointed in you. You ever been there? Maybe that's what you think. You think God loves you, but you also think that he's really, really disappointed in you, that you're not living up to who he created you to be. And it's uh, really interesting to me the way we view ourselves spiritually. It's interesting to me the way we view ourselves because it's, it's also linked to how we view ourselves physically. Um, I saw this great commercial some time ago, several years ago, and uh, it was a documentary that Dove, the, the Dove Soap did, where they did this experiment with women. If you watch the ad, they put them kind of in a room with a graphic artist who doesn't see them and asks the ladies to describe how they look. And then he just sketches exactly how they do it. And then they interview a complete stranger that saw the person, and they ask the complete stranger to interview or or to describe the person. And he draws out how they describe them. And as you can imagine, the pictures are radically different. In the sketch where these ladies describe themselves, they were very critical towards their facial features. And the sketch would not look anything like them at all. But when someone else described them, they described the person much more accurately. And as I was watching that video, I found it interesting how those dynamics work and what we kind of see about ourselves. Because there's a reason that they did this, I was thinking, like, there's a reason they did this with women. Because dudes, we don't think that way. Um, I I did this experiment, and I was like, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to describe myself to an artist in in what I think, you know, what I I look like, and then I want a complete stranger to describe the artist what I look like. And this is the picture that that he came up with as I described how I look. Right? I'm just teasing. But how many other guys are with me, right? Guys, dudes, we, we tend to think we're a lot better looking than we actually are. I mean, we do. I'm serious. So, I mean, this worked with women. But my whole point in all of this is that it's interesting that I think, whether you're a male or female, when it comes to what you think God thinks about you, I think there's huge discrepancies. Right, if we had the time right, to sit down again and talk about uh, you and, and you describe to me how you think God sees you, and then I could go through Scripture and just show you the verses how God actually sees you, I think there'd be a big difference, just like in that Dove commercial. Big difference between those two. I, I, I'm actually, I think it would be a huge difference. If you go find that video and watch it, uh, one of the ladies, when she was describing to herself, she said, I remember my mom telling me I have a huge chin. Based on this lady's age, I mean, this probably happened 30, 40 years ago, and she still remembers that one little comment. I think what happens over time for us, intentionally or unintentionally, 
A lot of people have tried to motivate us, maybe sometimes manipulate us, and you heard things, you read things, you misinterpreted things about who God is, and you misinterpreted what God thinks about you. And all of this has added up. And I think for some of you, what your life has become is this endless attempt to try to get back into God's good graces. And what the Bible says, and this is a great verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still a sinner, right? Your understanding that God's love for you, his expression of love for you is the ultimate expression. His son, Jesus, on the cross, he expressed that while we were still sinners. It was not about us promising to be good or jumping through certain hoops. You've, got to, you, you've heard this, uh, me say this before. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. It's not about trying to be good. Forgiven people go to heaven. And the reality, and so, so like, I want you to get this. So my prayer for every one of us, again, I'm under no preconceived notions that it's going to happen today for you, but my prayer for you is that you would get to a place where you can really see you the way God sees you. Listen, if you want to know what God thinks about you when he sees you and looks at you, right? he doesn't see a prodigal. He doesn't see a servant. He doesn't see a screw-up. You know what he sees? He sees a son. He sees a daughter. He sees you complete, whole, forgiven, and restored completely. No strings attached. That's how he sees you, and you don't have to do anything to get that. You see, religion, it's about limited grace. It's about conditional grace. It's about strings attached. It says you're forgiven, but we're going to keep an eye on you. It says you're welcome back in the church, but you're never going to really serve or be in ministry again because of what you've done. I just want you to know that's not how God sees you. You've been made clean through Jesus. And in Christ, you have a new identity. You are not first and foremost a sinner. Yes, you have the capability to sin, and so do I, right? But your sin has been made clean in Jesus. Let's uh, stop right here and let's just pray for each other. Father, each one of us needs to be reminded that there's a huge lie out there. And this lie is that the more we perform, the more that you'll love us. And that's embedded in our mind in all kinds of different ways in a culture that we live in. God, we just need a reminder today. It's not the way it works. This is not about us negotiating to get your help for our good behavior. But your salvation through your son Jesus is a gift. God, help us understand it is a gift. God, forgive us for getting stuck on the treadmill of trying to be better in order to earn your acceptance. God, we want to make a difference in this world. We want to do great things. God, we want to do that out of the motivation that we're already loved, that we're already accepted. It's just the overflow of our new identity in you that we do this. God, thank you for the reminder today that when you see us, you don't see a prodigal. You don't see a screw-up. You don't see a servant. You see sons and you see daughters. You see us covered in your grace. And I thank you that that is how you view us. And so Jesus, I pray that we would thoroughly understand this and I pray it in your name. Amen.
Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to somebody that you know, uh, would you mind uh, doing us a favor and sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing and liking and subscribing to this channel, uh, you help us to accomplish our mission, and that's just to raise the reputation everywhere that we go. Well, well the other thing you can do that helps us, and this is very, very, very helpful to us, um, could you head over to our website, at nextlevelchurch.org and click the green give button even if you've never done it before like click the button and choose one of those giving options there your faithful support helps us produce content like this and it helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live work and play now by the way benediction let me go back and reread what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. May you, as you go about this next week, may you rest in how God sees you, that he sees you as valuable and worthy of love. And may you know that there is no behavior that can make God love you less, and there is no behavior that can make God love you more. He loves you just as you are. You just need to live in that. Hey, Next week, friends, we're going to begin a brand new series. We're going to look at the book of James. Service here at Next Level begins at 10 a.m. on Sundays. I would love it if you would invite someone to join you next week here at Next Level. And until then, I hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you back, hopefully in person, next week. God bless.